0: Thank you for tuning into the Michael Crane.live podcast. He is an entrepreneur and mentor with over 20 years of experience as a property investor, stock market trader, and office supplies industry expert on his podcast. He invites fellow entrepreneurs and business owners to share their journey in business so you can learn and take inspiration for your own business and also motivate the next batch of entrepreneurs starting out on their business journey.
1: And on today's podcast, I have John Coupland. He's the founder of the Southeast London Business Network and is an independent business development and marketing consultant called Accelerate Your Business. The Southeast London Business Network, known by many across the region as Selbn, that is S-E-L-B-N, comprises of the region's largest LinkedIn group. Nearing 4,000 members, Selburn doesn't charge any mandatory membership fees. The group is sustained through events, activity and sponsorship propositions, giving sponsors an overall network reach of over 20 Thousand across all Selburn's marketing channels. These have been developed organically without the use of AdWords, Facebook, etc., for over ten years. John is also the best selling author of Accelerate Your Social Media, a book which shares proven business growth and marketing strategies for businesses large and small. He still adopts his Accelerate methodology to his own businesses, as well as sharing it with his clients through his consultancy work. Amongst other interests, John is also known as a mentor for 180 Degrees Consulting, supporting students at King's College London as part of their respective degree courses. I bet there is so much more I could tell our listeners, but instead of me sharing more of your story, John, why don't we kick this session off by you sharing with our listeners some things that have happened in the past five years that you are extremely proud of. So welcome, John. Hello, Michael, and welcome listeners as well.
2: Thanks for inviting me to the podcast. So things in the last five years, great question. Now you've got me on my feet, literally. Loads of things. The key thing really is for me that comes to mind is re-strategizing. Okay. And what I mean is, I went through um, some deep thinking in terms of what I do with my career and how I go forward. Okay. So, thanks very much for introducing the Southeast London Business Network, Salben. And that's a case in point. I re strategized that network uh, to update it, to make it uh, truly multi channel, uh, for example.
1: So, John, you mentioned that you, how, how old is Selbin? And is that the name that people know? That Those that- who
2: know us know us as Selbin. It's just easy in the tongue, isn't it? Uh, right, but, okay. uh, but of course, you know, <laughs> any good marketer wouldn't just go by an acronym. Uh, you've got to spell it out, okay? So we are known as the Southeast London Business Network, particularly for people who don't know us and who are still learning about us. Um, But those who have known us uh, for many years uh, know us as Selben. To answer your question, Michael, over 10 years. So I founded the network in January of 2010.
1: So let's take our listeners back to when you first started out in business, John. What did you do in the early days to start Selben? Um, I've
2: got a corporate background. And uh, so I spent uh, over 25 years in various roles in uh, the corporate world. And um, so I left that world primarily through the credit crunch uh, that we, a lot of us will remember uh, in 2008, 2009. And uh, for my sins, I thought, and I do mean that with chung and cheek, of course. um, For my sins, I started my own business um, and that was actually a social media consultancy. Um, Alongside that, uh, I did a lot of networking, like a lot of... um, entrepreneurs do business owners you know of course one of the key things is to get to know people and it was a huge revelation um it was a great journey learned loads about people loads about networks etc so to answer your question Michael uh, a lot of people were on LinkedIn at the time learning about this tool called LinkedIn and how to use use it for business and I tried to find a LinkedIn group for the region to join and I couldn't find one so, I thought, you know what? Someone's got to start one. And that's how Selbin was born as the LinkedIn group originally.
1: So, if you were going to start out again when you were developing Selbin, what things would you have done differently?
2: Key thing is uh, we obviously do events or <laughs> offline events uh, right up to before the pandemic, of course. Yeah, I'm sure I don't have to spell out the reasons why we're not doing that at the moment, uh, lockdown three and everything. Key things. Originally, we took cash at the door. It sort of worked, but uh, we changed that. We, we, by the way, is predominantly me and my wife, um, who is isn't a full-time job today, um, but has helped me in various events because they particularly happen in the evening, uh, for example. And also, um, when required, I hire a couple of virtual assistants uh, to support the network as well. So I run it very lean. So, yeah, that's a key thing that um, I changed, I think, uh, in 2010 itself. In fact, 2011, from memory, our uh, lessons learned in the first year was we stopped taking cash at the door for various reasons.
1: How, how do you market the events, John? That's another question, which I'll refer
2: back to what uh, key lessons learned. Originally, it was, it's laughable now when you look at it, um, it was only via the LinkedIn group. So I would actually you know, post that we've got an event coming up on X dates at Y location, and people would turn up. It's important to remember also in those days, you know, there are probably a fraction of the groups um, that uh, were out there regionally that there are today. There's a multitude of uh, different networking groups in particular today. And uh, so, of course, with that comes uh, competition, you know, for want of a better term. Um, So, as the years went, I couldn't just basically rely on that LinkedIn group, and that comes back to my re-strategizing to answer your your question earlier um, about going multi-channel. So, by that I mean um, I wasn't just relying on the LinkedIn group anymore. Of course, we had a Twitter account. We used that more to share events. Um, Facebook, and, of course, last but not least, email marketing.
1: And you've got a membership on LinkedIn of 4,000 members. Is that the size of your list to date?
2: No, it's actually bigger than that, but it's, (laughs) as they say, sizes and everything, depending which way you look at it. (laughs) It's, um, yeah, it's, you know, we're we're nearing 4,000 members. But what I say to people is numbers are one thing, Reality is a different matter altogether. So what I mean by that, briefly, is it's all very well saying, yeah, we got you know four thousand here, we've got X hundred on our email list, we've got how many followers on Twitter. It's what you do with it, because not everybody's going to be online all the time. Um, so this goes back to the multi-channel, and um, what I basically learned in corporates. Um, I filtered through and um, the bits that I thought would work in small business, particularly with Salben, uh, I basically applied. Um, in fact, um, I'll say this very briefly, but um, a lot of my career was actually in retailing, in the heyday of retailing. And uh, without realizing it at the time, in the sort of mid to late 90s, it was very transformational. And I was actually part of a 30-strong Uh, e-commerce division uh, for a major retailer and um, we launched um, a fully transactional multi-channel website you know that was um, one of the first UK retailers to have done that at the time.
1: Okay so what differentiates uh, Selbin to the many other business networks that are out there right now and also on top of that how has it changed since last March? when pandemic hit the UK?
2: Okay. So the key differentials, I would say, is that we don't do things by committee. There's no right or wrong in it. Committees are committees, yeah? Part of the reason why I left corporate was I was sick and tired of committees, so why would I then jump back in? (laughs) (laughs) So, um, like I said earlier, uh, I run the network very lean. Um, I think it's agile compared to some other networks. The fact that we don't charge um, any joining or ongoing membership fees is one of the differentials. It's probably less key these days because there are more networks around um, that do the same thing, uh, which is fine. I would say really that I would challenge any Chamber of Commerce out there. Okay, There's no one that I have in mind in particular. Um, that's uh, the pedigree of uh, the people who do rock up to our networking events is as good as a local chamber. So what we're offering is value up front, okay? So what I mean by that is that we're inclusive. So I'll give you a quick example. It irks me deep inside that there are some chambers even today online Offline and into online because of the pandemic, they're still charging their members and non-members to turn up to events to listen to maybe a local MP. Why would you do that? Um, Aren't MPs public servants? Do we not pay our taxes? Why then would we charge members to listen to them? With regard to the pandemic, we may surprise you. uh, We haven't actually jumped on the Zoom bandwagon. I've seen this happen before in various shapes and forms, the big gold rush and it harks back to my days of the dot-com. And those who remember uh, there was a dot-com boom and bust in the 90s. And uh, I was in that industry big time in retailing and um, I saw the gold rush for it. And I just didn't want to be part of that. It just didn't sit with me because I knew that people would be just bombarded with invites and everything to all sorts of online events and it'd be full of noise so rather than do that um what i decided to do is to share value through um a partner one of our partners jennifer corcoran who's a linkedin trainer and so we just did something different where she um did a recording for selbin South southeast london business network members free of charge to show value in terms of an hour's um power knowledge session uh to uh share some tips and what we did was a a live chat within the linkedin group so something a bit different
1: that sounds interesting how many people did you have attend that event we had nearly a
2: 100 yeah we didn't market it that heavy you know heavily should i say um but we had At the time, um, yeah, it was between sort of like 85 to 100 people. Um, But we've had a few people uh, still attend uh, because it's a recording and they can still join the chat and see basically what questions are asked and they can still contact Jennifer. So it's still there. It's still very much um, updated.
1: Great. And on, on the basis of consistency in business is everything, how frequently do you run your live events? We
2: don't. That's the point. Uh, so where I said that um, we decided, well, it was predominantly me. I decided not to add to the Zoom noise. Uh, the answer is we don't. So what we do instead is we share content in the LinkedIn group. So I'll let the listeners and members, non-members, you know, whoever you know would like to know more, they can join the LinkedIn group and decide for themselves. But um, we are. Spam-free, which I'm very proud of. Uh, we don't allow spam in the group. There's a lot of LinkedIn groups that unfortunately have lost their way and have turned people off because they're full of advertisements, you know, of people just trying it and just spamming groups, which I think is a shame. What we do is deliver value. So what I do encourage uh, our members to do is to share value by blogging, sharing articles, upfront. Um, if they write their own blogs, for example, okay, by all means, put a link, okay, to their website at the bottom of the blog um, if readers want to know more. It's about sharing value up front. Really long and short of it, Michael, is that um, I just feel that members get out what they put in. It's as simple as that.
1: I totally agree, John.
2: Thank you. I mean, at the end of the day, Michael, you know, I'm not one to judge, but I mean, (laughs) but at the same time, all of us have the rights to have our beliefs and values. And one of the beliefs and values I have in this particular example is that if people can't help themselves, then why are they even running businesses? Yeah, it's all about accountability. So we've offered a platform with some guidelines in terms of how to to get out what they put in which, and I hate this term, but it is a LinkedIn term, it's called group rules. So if they're bothered to read that, which I hope a lot of them, you know, do, um, it's just a, a just a reminder as to, you know, how to get the most out of the LinkedIn group and the network. And it really is that. It's just that simple. You get out what you put in. Why make it complicated?
1: I totally agree. With regard to uh, Jennifer Corcoran, what did her power session exactly look like? Um, from a
2: technical perspective, she uh, recorded about an hour's worth of training uh, for Selbin members, so it was tailored, uh, on YouTube. So there was some preparation between her and myself um, behind the scenes. Um, and then what I did was to announce that in advance that at a certain time, I think it was at 11 o'clock on a Monday from memory. This is spring of last year. Um, That we would actually post that YouTube video, but she would be live online in the LinkedIn chat. chat, After all, we're, you know, talking about LinkedIn uh, to discuss her content. Okay, so it's getting people engaged in LinkedIn itself while they're listening to her training. So she covered anything from why LinkedIn. Looking at your profile, it's all about, you know, getting your foundations right, yeah? Okay, what do you have in your profile? You know, if it's been up there for a while, is it looking tired? Yeah, do you need to update it? You know, before you do then anything with it? And there were some key points in there about sort of tagging photos, yeah? And what she meant by that is um, things like, you know, search engine optimization for example, so if you're sharing a particular photo of an event, let's say, is to embed some keywords in that photo, which is great, you know, it all helps.
1: So based on your new style of um, training, networking events, uh, John, what key lessons did you learn from this process? That's a
2: good question, Michael, key lessons. Uh, From a business point of view, uh, we got some great feedback which is great. Um, and of course, it's, you know, back to that uh, A word, accountability. Some people write to me and then they'll probably ask Jennifer or myself some key questions um, in private, perhaps, you know. There was an offer of obviously one-to-one sessions with Jennifer and some people took that up. And again, it's it's down to accountability. You've learned something, so what are you going to do about it? Yeah. And that's where, Michael, I'm very candid about well, I let go, right? We've done our piece, okay? But we don't handhold, right? For reasons already given. Because why would you be in business if you want handholding all the time? So it's down to obviously the participants, our members to then use that new knowledge or some reminders in there, even for some who've been using LinkedIn for a while, to then put it into action. Now, of course, if they want to know more, Jennifer, you know, obviously is there to sell her services. She's in business. You know, she does LinkedIn training. You know, there's, there's no pressure to do that, but it's there.
1: And that all comes so, down to taking the appropriate action on the information you
2: are... Totally, to totally,
1: um,
2: absolutely. So and John, in terms of, just to, just to clarify, in terms of events, I don't want to give the impression that we're doing these events you know, often, you know, throughout last year and this year, we're we're actually not, I'm not going to beat around the bush, um, we're not, uh, for reasons already given, we just don't want to add to the noise, there's a lot out there. But what I do is I do take some calls from members who want private chats with me, um, in terms of, you know, some advice, you know, because some of them I've known for a long time. So I'm there to support them, you know, just to give value.
1: So, John, just before we uh, go to a very short break, how can listeners join and benefit from Selbon?
2: All they need to do is just hop online and punch in www.se, that's southeast, okay? So, selondonbusinessnetwork.co.uk, and it's all there.
1: Perfect. So, we are going to take a very short break there, and when we come back, We are going to be speaking about your book, Accelerate Methodology.
0: John Coupland is the founder of the Southeast London Business Network with over 4,000 members. The network is a great source for business owners and entrepreneurs to scale up and reach a bigger audience. To learn more, you can go to selondonbusinessnetwork.co.uk and register for one of the next events. We look forward to seeing you at one of his events soon. Thank you.
1: And now welcome back to the second part of today's podcast. We have John Coopland with us and he's going to continue with the second part talking about his published book, Accelerate Your Social Media. Accelerate
2: your social media. Wow, what a journey that was. Um, So this is harking back to uh, what I mentioned earlier, that my wife and I used to run a social media business. We ran it for about six years, in fact, uh, and a lot of that time was in parallel to running the Southeast London Business Network. To keep it simple, really, the roles that we had was, um, I probably doesn't surprise people. I can speak or talk for England, uh, literally, and I'll come back to that later. So I did a lot of the training, and that that ranged from corporate workshops to one-to-one training with freelancers. Okay, and uh, Angeline, my wife, predominantly um, helped the business in terms of the social media management, where there were some SMEs who outsourced their social media to us. The book uh, came about in my head as. Um, again it was the noise that I referred to in the dot-com boom days okay where the gold rush and I saw that happening again so this is really harking back to about 2010 11 12 in particular where a lot of us were going to workshops you know events paid for events you know it could be anything from a business show in London to more localized regional expos and of course Every other, in fact, probably all had some form of free workshop or seminar to do with social media. Hey, why not? You know, it was the gold rush. But what what I found was that a lot of us were coming out of them more confused (laughs) when we walked in. And I thought, oh, we've got to just, you know, try and clarify something here. Why are we even doing this as business owners? And the obvious answer is to get more business, right? Not just for fun. Otherwise, it's a hobby. So I came up with a methodology called Accelerate, uh, which is a five-step methodology for busy business owners and entrepreneurs to get return on investment on social media. I wrote a book. I gave myself six months um, during 2012 from a planning stage to public stage, publish. Um, I didn't want to have a ghostwriter. I wanted to write the book myself. important thing to share is that I didn't want to be one of these people saying I'm writing a book and it takes forever or it never gets published so I hired a book coach uh, to help me and she had her own methodology in terms of you know how you can plan the book Uh, so as a writer I didn't get any sort of like um writing blocks um so that was a great investment um, because that saved me a lot of time the effort was still there I had to write it, quite rightly so. And I'm glad to say I achieved the six months. It was launched at the Business Show in 2012 uh, at Olympia. And um, what a journey that was, because in fact, what I didn't see coming is that the writing didn't then stop because I was writing articles for business magazines, hopping on you know podcasts, et cetera, and doing a lot of speaking engagements. So it was a, a very exciting journey. Was that how
1: your career with Biz Catalyst 360, uh, the magazine um, in, in America? Yes,
2: came? partly. Um, because of through my writing, I was noticed by that network. So the founder and chief editor, Dennis uh, Picotto, um, he actually lives in Florida. He reached out to me and um, said that he liked my articles, Would I write for his network. And very, very bizarrely, I politely declined. Would you believe it? I declined. And I think there's a lessons learned from there. Um, I don't regret that. And he, he respect me for that. Um, When he reached out to me, uh, I was in a place where I just knew that I wouldn't be able to provide the quality that he sought. You know, I was spent. I did a lot of articles already, and I wanted a break from that for various other reasons. But we kept in touch, and a few months later, he got in touch again, and it was the right time. So I started writing for his network. So his network is uh, Biz Catalyst 360, and it's, um, in short, um, it's to do with business, but it's also to do with lifestyle. And he's got global reach. And I have a lot of respect for Dennis. I've got to know him. Uh, you've got to earn your stripes, which I love. Um, I'm a great believer of that. So I started as a, a contributor, then featured contributor, uh, then got promoted to become a columnist. And um, then he asked me to join his circle of excellence, um, which is great. And a huge, huge, call it luck, if you will, or... Maybe it was meant to be a huge benefit to me. And I hope Dennis will listen to this podcast because I mean every single word. He's become a great unofficial mentor to me. Um, He's actually married to an English woman, which means that pre-pandemic, he was visiting the UK at least twice a year. So we used to meet in sunny Brighton, uh, you know, to catch up. I used to drive down to Brighton to see him. And I'm sure that will continue once uh, obviously we're allowed to travel again. And so it was a lot more than just writing for a network. Yeah, They may not be as well known as the other networks, but you know what? It doesn't matter. Some people get really hung up about that, about branding and stuff. And just to share to your listeners, you know, I'll ask them this question. Would you rather be a small fish in a big pond or perhaps a sizable fish, not necessarily a big fish, you don't have to be a big fish, in a smaller pond that actually cares about you, I think people know the answer to that.
1: Indeed, but what's the uh, readership?
2: Thousands. It's a huge network. It's predominantly uh, it's English speaking, okay, and uh, so it's US into Europe and also um, they have um, a reach um, in Asia as well. But that's a question for Dennis, really. Um, I've gotten a lot of traction through it, which is great, and um, I've taken a break again. Just to be transparent about this. So some of the articles, they're still out there because the way I write is um, what's called evergreen. So I share strategies that have a long shelf life. So just quickly saying that um, with regard to accelerate your social media, as everybody knows, social media changes a lot. When I wrote my book way back in 2012, I deliberately didn't do any screenshots Okay, it wasn't about you know which button to press. It was uh, a book full of strategy um, that would last a long time. Okay, in terms of you know how do you make that journey to to realise that return on investment using this thing called social media?
1: So, John, you mentioned evergreen. Tell our listeners what you mean by evergreen article. Okay, in this context is.
2: Things change a lot, don't they, Uh, very quickly, uh, particularly, you know, sector by sector. Um, So particularly in the world of social media, of course, the tools change. So, for example, uh, when I wrote the book uh, from memory, uh, Google Plus um, was the end thing. It was very new. Facebook was pretty established already for business and Google was playing catch up. So a lot of people were hopping into Google Plus. Well, your listeners, a lot of listeners will probably know that Google Plus is no longer. Okay, so when you write a social media book like that or even articles, you've got to think about things like that. Now, authors, writers will have different objectives. Okay, so there's nothing wrong with writing a technical book with screenshots. But as an author or writer, you've got to accept that that will be out of date before you know it. All right. Whereas if you write a a business book that shares business strategies, chances are that those strategies will apply for quite a long time, depending what they are. So that's the route I decided to take, not just my book, but certainly my articles, because it goes back to what I do and how I help my customers. So I'm not a social media guru. I can't stand that phrase in this context anyway. Um, I'm a business development and marketing consultant, you know, so I'm not a technical person. Um, You know, what I offer are strategies, proven strategies for business growth.
1: So let's take our podcast in a slightly different direction. And you mentioned before we started speaking on the podcast today that you've now ventured into the travel sector. How did you get into that? And what with the pandemic's effect on inbound tourism in particular, how are you presently coping?
2: Okay, this is where I take a deep breath. And this is where I think earlier I said I can talk for England. (laughs) Two cents of the the meaning, really. Okay, travel is a passion of mine. I've been very blessed to have travelled throughout the world. Um, Just very briefly, I wasn't even born here. I was born and brought up in sunny Singapore. So that really is where my home is. Um, but I've lived in England most of my life now. Um, half my family are Chinese. OK, but that's another story. Um, so it's pretty multicultural. With that comes a lot of relatives globally. Um, so we've been you know, blessed to go to far flung places, really, and get an insight to a uh, wonderful world. I was able to also share that with our children as they were growing up. So I share this because obviously travel is a passion of mine. To answer your question, Michael, um, we as a family found ourselves in sunny Bali a few years ago um, before we went back to Singapore to see the relatives. Obviously, that's a different dynamic because we've got two sets of relatives there, mine and my wife's. So when we're in Bali, we just um, happened to walk along one of the sort of main streets of Ubud and uh, we saw a sign. We hired a private tour guide um, for half a day. He gave us a local insight. So he was so good, we hired him for two more days. Without realising it at the time, he gave me some inspiration. And basically, to cut a very long story short, after we then hopped to Singapore, then then came back to London, I decided to start tour guiding part-time. So I decided only to offer private tours, no big groups. So they're predominantly walking tours in London. And also um, some historic houses and castles in Southeast England.
1: So, John, with the pandemic's effect on inbound tourism, how are you presently coping? Well, it's of course very challenging.
2: Uh, inbound has been probably the or one of the sectors most affected, inbound tourism, that is. By the effects of the pandemic, and of course, I'm not immune to that at all. Because um, my guests, so I call my customers guests. Um, they're predominantly American, Canadian, Australian. I get some from the Far East as well, because they look me up and find out I'm from Singapore, <laughs> so they find that fascinating. Um, so, of course, they can't fly over at the moment, and um, and in, in fact, the you know the, most of the historic houses and castles are shut anyway, as we speak. Um, So what I decided to do, particularly last year, was to um, learn and um, learn more. Uh, I'm self-taught. I'm not a historian. Okay, I don't profess to be an historian, um, but I do feel that I do know quite a lot about British history and um, otherwise I wouldn't be doing this. So with regard to the inbound tourism, what I decided to do, and this actually um, draws parallels to what I've shared earlier on in this podcast, Um, part of the reason why I decided not uh, to jump on the Zoom bandwagon and add sort of noise of events is I thought, for a change, I'm going to think about good old Johnny Cooplin here, John Cooplin, the guy who's speaking to you in the podcast. What do I want out of life? And um, I thought, you know what? I know tourism's gonna to come back and I wanna be stronger and even better at it. So what I did was I took time out last summer um, and where there were less restrictions, I did a lot more research to build up on my knowledge. And um, I read a few books. Uh, so in the hope that you know, when there's some form of normality, whatever that's gonna look like, um, I can come out stronger I had a very inspiring moment, actually, uh, where uh, an American couple got hold of me um, summer of last year, and they wanted to book, a day tour with me. And of course, I said to them, hey, you know, have you self-isolated? So, no, no, John, you know, we, we live in London. <laughs> and they were stuck in London. Um, they both were in contracts and they were desperate to, to get out. And so I took them to a castle in, in Canterbury uh, for a wonderful summer's day. I say inspiring because uh, their knowledge was incredible. And I come across guests like that where they have a great knowledge themselves of British history. And um, they want to spend the day with me, a local, so I can share my insights to the history they've learnt about, whether it's at school or you know, during their adult life, through films, etc., And they want reality, and that's what I offer. Um, it's almost like speaking another language where you can really have a great conversation with those types of guests. You know, they know a thing about the Plantagenets, for example, and want to know more and want me to show them things relating to that era, for example, of British history. Another popular one is the Tudors, of course, for reasons you can probably guess. I can go on (laughs) and I can
1: literally talk for England. I bet, John. Uh, Fascinating.
2: Part of the reason why I share these things is that there is a Japanese term that some people would have heard of. It's called Ikigai. It's really to have a sense of purpose in life that would really drive you. You know, everybody's got a passion and the lessons learned. And that's why I took a bit of a break from business, actually, um, the summer of last year is What's in it for you? Are you doing something that really, really drives your passion? You know, it could be a hobby, an interest. It doesn't have to be anything to do with history. And, um, and again, it comes back to accountability and that's what I ask myself. You know, I can't fight this pandemic. I can't change it single-handedly. You know, I can't make the flights, you know, happen again overnight. But what can I do about it? And what I decided to do is to embrace it as best as I can, obviously taking care, all right? Um, And to learn more and hope that I can come out stronger. Now, the listeners in this podcast could have something similar. What have you been meaning to do all this time? Are you really in the zone? Is this a time to reappraise what you're doing? I'm not saying change it necessarily, all of it, Some needs tweaking maybe, some needs a complete change. Are you really living the life that you wanna lead? Um, And make those decisions. And again, it's accountability. You know, you can only advise and listen and go on courses and stuff, but what are you doing about it? And I decided to do something about it.
1: That's great inspiration, John. So let me ask you a question. If I came to you as a normal tourist in London and I said, John Coopland, I hear you're a fantastic tour guide. I want your very best tour. What would be the places we would visit? Well, we'll have a conversation first in terms of what drives
2: you, okay? And remember, you're not a tourist, you're a guest. <laughs> Indeed. Um, and um, of course, these are private tours. So if, it's, um, if your time is limited and you wanted a private walking tour in London, I would then find out, okay, so what have you read? What have you watched? So one of the popular ones is uh, the Crown private tour. Um, You get a lot of Americans and Canadians particularly watching that series. That's one of my popular tours where I would then offer the the Crown, you know, it's a private tour and it lasts for three hours. Now, if you had time, okay, to go out to the countryside um, for a day tour, what drives you? you know, what are your passions about British history, and I would tailor it. So it could be medieval. So I have a, a fully tailored private medieval tour, okay, of some of the houses in England. Uh, that'd be item moats, um, some off-the-beaten-track places. Heaver Castle's very popular. Um, that goes into Tudor, of course, in terms of the Anne Boleyn connection, because that's uh, a former family home of the Berlins. Um, but also I have a guest and you know I know it's a hypothetical question but you could be a guest who perhaps has already seen Hever Castle during a previous visit but you want to go off the beaten track so I'll then ask you have you heard of a place called Pencer's Place no John I haven't then I'll explain a little bit more about uh, Pencer's Place and similar places to that. Um, so it's very bespoke.
1: Do you have a website that viewers or listeners can uh, listen or uh, go to view the tours? Um,
2: I do have a Facebook page. Um, the websites are what are called in the industry OTAs, online travel agencies. So this is an interesting one, actually, Michael. So I'm a marketer and um, and business development professional. Um, my domain is B2B, business to business. My domain is not Business to consumer. What I decided is that I want to deliver tours. Yeah, I want to embrace history. I want to shed my marketing hat. So, what I did was to outsource it. I'm on uh, travel websites like uh, TripAdvisor, uh, ViTour, which is big in America. I'm also with um, uh, a great setup called With Locals, and that for reasons already shared. I share values with them. It's, it's about guests, not tourists. It's about private tours. They're a great bunch. They work out of Holland actually, but uh, they have a great footprint in the Far East. That's how I got to know them through my connections in the Far East. And, um, and Europe, of course, and the, they were breaking into North America before the pandemic. Yeah, so there are websites, um, but they're through these OTAs because they do the marketing for me. I just want to deliver tours.
1: Based on today's podcast, what are the three takeaway tips for an entrepreneur either setting out in business today during a pandemic or is already in business thriving with new opportunities?
2: This is a common one, but it's there for a reason. It's your why. Why are you doing it? Okay, so I touched on this and this relates back to what I shared just now. Um, it's a great time now <laughs> not great as far as the virus and the pandemic's concerned okay but it's a great time now where you can reevaluate or evaluate if you're starting a new business in terms of where you want to go so you've got more time for research uh if you're starting something new uh, lessons learned if you know you're already in business like i said earlier reappraise stuff look at your partnerships are they working The ones that are not, or perhaps those partners don't share common values with you, ditch them in a nice way, of course. Yeah, I'm very candid, of course, with the advice I give, but why waste your time? So really, it's about why and with that, alongside what I shared about your ikigai. All right. Look that up if you want to know more. Um, It's on Google. It's spelled I-K-I-G-A-I. The other one, Michael, I would say is accountability um so there's lots to learn shiny buttons online courses be careful of them uh i'm a great believer in less is more all right so if you are going to be doing courses whatever you know business related or perhaps it's something in your personal life that you want to learn more is you know Just keep it very short, sharp, sweet, and then go deep. But be accountable. Take action. Don't just learn, you know, what you've learned. Okay, you can filter some stuff out. But what are you going to do with that knowledge? So that goes back to accountability. And thirdly is really with that in mind, you know, just continue on with what you enjoy. Don't be too hard on yourself. I mean, One of the lessons I learned in my life is I was taking life too seriously. You know, enjoy it. You know, it ticks away. And embrace it. Take a breather. Take a break. Don't don't be apologetic. Yeah. Um. I think I've been honest in this podcast. You know, with Salvin, I took a break last summer. Why not? I've every right. That's why I'm a business owner. I'm not accountable to any employer anymore. Yeah. I've done that. So I've jumped through those hoops. Um, I'm of course accountable to my clients and my guests in, in the tour business who I. I keep in touch with, yeah, and I share value with them um, with regard to doing some, you know, Facebook Lives, sharing content with them as a way to keep in touch because they'll be back. Enjoy
1: life. And on that note, I just want to say a huge thank you, John, for sharing your thoughts with some really pragmatic, thoughtful, genuine, down-to-earth guidance and advice.
0: Today's show has been sponsored by www.teameasycrane.co.uk. We help you build your business and grow recurring profits. Thank you so much for listening and don't forget to hit the subscribe button.